That means open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 29. We, um, we're going to take a, a look at, at a little bit of wisdom. Proverbs, of course, known as the book of wisdom, is actually, I can say five, but there's certainly three books in the Old Testament that are known as wisdom books, but Proverbs being the chief, kind of always referred to as the book of wisdom. Matter of fact, a lot of, a lot of preachers I've heard say over the years that, um, that they practice this. Um, I, I've done it a time or two, but I, some preachers say they do it every year. They read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and that means you read the, the book every month, every each month you complete the book, which means you read it 12 times a year. And they say they do that every year. That's probably some pretty good advice. It's a little bit different book to read. Y'all know I love the Old Testament stories, but they are a story. They have a flow to them, and they go. Proverbs, the story is one verse long. And then the next verse is something else, and the next verse is something else. It's a little bit of a different read, but it's filled with, with wisdom. And here in chapter 29, again, tonight I'm only going to look at one passage of Scripture so that we get out of here early. I do greatly appreciate all your hard work, all your effort, and I know a lot of people have been here since about 7.15 this morning, and you need to go home and crash and burn. So I'm going to keep the Sunday evenings very short. So I'm just looking at one passage instead of a series. But here in chapter 29, I want to look at the first half of verse number 18. And that's all we're going to look at this evening. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Father, I ask you, would you take this, this verse, this, these words, God, this text from your scriptures. And God, I pray, Lord, will you clean me up, forgive me of anywhere that I have failed you, anything that would hinder your Holy Spirit from using me right now, anything that would keep you from speaking to me or speaking through me. Father, I pray you'd remove it. And God, I pray, Lord, will you move through your words amongst your children this evening. Will you give us wisdom, God? Teach us something in this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a verse that you hear quite often where there is no vision, the people perish, and you you hear it tossed out at churches, and churches are struggling, and the pastor gets the blame on that where there is no vision, the people perish. And so we hear it tossed a lot concerning um, groups, concerning churches, concerning congregations. But, man, I certainly wouldn't argue that. I believe that's probably true. I, I know that the church needs a vision. The church needs some direction. And I believe that God puts the pastor in a place, and he expects that pastor to seek his will and have a vision for the church. I'm not arguing that. But I do believe that this scripture has a lot more to say than just that because I don't think God ever says anything in his book just to a few people. Everything that he says in his book, he says to everybody. So when he says that where there is no vision, the people perish, he's talking to individuals. He's teaching you and I something. Vision is vital to the Christian life for every individual. Everybody in this place needs a vision for your life, some form of direction in your life, a focus on what God expects you to be. The word here in the text that's used for vision means to mentally perceive. That means that you are to have a mental perception of what God expects out of you, a mental perception of what God wants you to do in your life and wants you to be in your life. And then the word used here for perish means to go back. So what that means, if we do not mentally perceive what it is that God wants out of us, 
then we begin to drift backwards. If we do not mentally perceive the direction, if we do not mentally perceive that God has a plan for your life, God has a plan for your life, God has a plan for your life. He doesn't have a plan for a church and a group of people. He has a plan for every individual. And if we do not mentally perceive that God has a plan for our life, then we'll begin to fall back. We see it all the time in the church. People want to, and I'm, I'm not casting a stone here. I don't want to, to sound wrong, but we see people come in and play church all the time. And they come in and play church for a little bit, and it's good as long as it's good. But let the, let the weather. I mean, I was out there this morning. I heard a turkey fire off gobbling this morning. It ain't the February. Let turkey season open and the birds get to gobbling. Let the fish get to running on the lake and other things become more important. That's because they have no vision of the things of God. Again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm not, I'm not throwing a rock. I'm just telling you that there's those that... that play at it, but they begin to drift back when there's no vision. They begin to drift away from the things of God. We looked at it this morning in our text as we were looking at the children of Israel. They had no vision of where they were going. God had told them where they were going. They looked, but they had no vision. They doubted God's ability to provide the place that they thought they were going to. And because they had no vision, what's the first thing they wanted to do? Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back to where we came from. Why did you even bring us out here in the first place? They, they didn't want to go through with the things that God had planned for them. The truth is God had a promised land. God had something on the other side of Jericho. God had a land that was a large land flowing with milk and honey and all the blessings. God had a victory in store. God had everything prepared. God had the plan laid out. But it took some faith. It took some fighting. It would have taken some battles. They had to initiate. They had to have a vision to go forward and know that God would deliver them through it. They had no vision of the other side. So they turned and went back. Vision is vital. I shared with you probably a year or so ago, and I won't go into the whole story because it takes a little longer, but I'll just give you the gist of it. When Walt Disney wanted to build the theme park down in Orlando, people thought it was crazy. He went down to Orlando, and he went out in the swamp in the middle of nowhere and nothing around. He buys this big old piece of land, and he's going to build a theme park. And people thought, man, he's lost his mind, old Walt Disney. He, he, he's lost. He's coming unglued. And, and so he buys the land in the swamp, and they begin to build the park, and they get it built all up, and they finish it. And Michael Vance was the director, the coordinator, and somebody came up and said, boy, isn't it too bad? Walt Disney never got to see this place. He said, oh, he saw it. That's why it's here today. He, he saw it before we ever started. There was a vision. There was a plan in place. There was something to shoot for. Vision is the clear direction of where you're going. Before every great undertaking, there has to be someone with a clear vision for a task. And in our own lives, we have to have a clear vision. A football coach doesn't just show up on game day, say, let's play football. He comes with an offensive plan, a defensive strategy, a special team strategy. He brings a game plan. An artist doesn't just get out of canvas and say, hey, I think I'll throw some paint on it and see what well, I think some of that new abstract stuff might, but for the most part, an artist says, you know, I have a plan. They have this vision in their head, and they're not just going to throw paint up there and see what comes out. They have a vision before they ever start. Too many Christians are just going through life without a vision. They're just trying to get through life. They're just following schedules and doing occasional things and maybe a little something here and there. But without a vision is what God wants them to be in their life. They have no real direction. Nothing to really hold on to, nothing to really focus on. A vision is the perception of what God wants us to be. When a believer truly has a vision, he has a real perception of what God wants him to be, then it makes life a lot clearer. It gives us a direction. I want to look really quickly at five things, and I mean really quickly. I'm just going to glance through these. 
Um, but I like putting in five things because you note takers, it separates it for you. I want, I want to look at five things that a vision will do. The first one is a, a vision brings definition. When we truly get a vision of what God wants us to do, it will define our task. It will define the things that we're supposed to do. It will define our direction. The vision becomes the lens that we look through to find answers. Does that make sense? The vision becomes the lens that you look through. Perfect example. The, the, the vision of Faith Baptist Church is very simple. It is to reach the lost, and it is to disciple the saved. Anything else is a ministry. That's the vision. So when somebody comes up and they have a ministry, and they say, I want to start a new ministry, what we want to know is, does this ministry fit the vision? Fruit of her hands. That's a personal vision. God gave you a vision. That is your vision. Now, how do you know if the vision fits the church? Because that vision is focused on reaching the lost and helping the needy. So it fits in the vision. So it becomes a ministry of faith Baptist church. There's some ministries that may not be ours. I'm not saying they're bad ministries. But if they don't fall within our vision, if somebody has an idea for a ministry and it's not going to disciple the law, I mean, reach the lost or disciple the saved, then it's not for us. He's alive as a ministry that does both. It certainly touches the heart of God's children. It changes lives. It reminds us of the price that Christ paid. But it is focused towards reaching the lost. It is a ministry that falls under the vision of Faith Baptist Church. Our life is the same way. If you have a vision, if you have a direction on what God wants you to be, you have a direction on where God wants you to go and what he wants you to do, other things may come along, but your vision is the lens that you look through to know. Listen, don't think that the devil won't bring some stuff along your way to get you sidetracked. He may bring you some churchy stuff along. He may bring you some spiritual-looking stuff along because if he can get you over here sidetracked, even though it might be a little bit religious, it's keeping you from the very thing that God wants you to be. So the devil doesn't even mind you coming to church as long as you're not focused on being all that God wants you to be. You can hold that pew down seven days a week, 24-7. He ain't bothering the devil, none. But when you start getting off the pew and you begin to fulfill the vision that God has for you, the devil may put some things up to lure you. So when we have a vision, we understand what it is that God wants us to do. It becomes the lens. I, um, <clears throat> number two is somewhere in here. We'll find it in a minute. Design. A vision brings design to our life. The birth of a vision is, well, it's like the birth of a child. Um, first, there has to be a conception of a vision without um, being too explicit. Let me just say that in order for there to be a conception, there must be an intimate relationship. In order for you to have a conception of a vision of what God wants you to be, you must have an intimate relationship with the creator of the visions. You must have some reading time, some prayer time, some study time. So the first thing you have to have is an intimate relationship with the Father. Once we have a, a conception, there's a gestation period. There's a waiting period where you begin to plan things and you begin to prepare ahead and you begin to pray about the things that are upcoming. But then at some point during the gestation period, things begin to show. 
people around you start realizing there's something different about you. There's something going on in your life that's a little bit different than it was. I see something special. What it is, it is the call. It is that vision beginning to come to life. It is God working in you as that vision grows and you begin to get some focus and you begin to get some direction on, on what God wants you to be. And then we come to the day of the birth. We, we dwell on it. We think about it. We make it public. We make things known when men are called to preach and they come to me and talk and we pray about it for a while and it becomes defined that they are called to preach. I have them come stand up here and tell you that they've been called to preach because once they have birthed their vision, there's no going back. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They go back. So make it known. Let the vision be birthed. Let everybody know and it helps give direction and incentive to move forward because now the vision has been birthed. So we, we prepare and we plan until it begins to show. Y'all know pregnancy is not visible right off, right? It takes a little bit of time. How many of you were exactly the day that you got saved that you are right now? Nobody. How many of you have been in a season of growing since the day you got saved? How many of you, it's your prayer that I hope I'm bigger, stronger today than I was a week ago when we stood in the same building. That we hope that hope we hope we're growing in Christ, walking more with Christ, growing in the power of God, growing in the Spirit of God, growing in the will of God, growing in our relationship with God, intimate relationship becoming more pronounced. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're, we're supposed to be growing. And each day of our Christian life, we ought to be growing. Same thing's true with a with a vision. And then comes the birth where it's out there for everybody to see. But vision also brings design, but then it brings a certain dynamic. Without a vision, there's really no dynamic in life. You look at the story of Nehemiah, there's nothing dynamic because there's no vision. Some of the brethren went and they visited Jerusalem. They came back and Nehemiah asked about the condition of the people, and and he was perplexed. He was heartbroken and he wept bitterly because the walls were torn down and the city was burned and the buildings were destroyed but I don't believe that's what broke his heart the most the worst part was that God's children were living a life contradictory to the children of God they, they had no vision they were simply existing they were there but they were giving no glory to God in their life there was no honor coming out of their life but there was no vision until Nehemiah returned and brought the vision to the people and they began to have some work and they began to have some hope they began to have some purpose some direction and each one of them individually began to get a vision this is my section of the wall I'm going to finish my section this is the group I've got to protect I'm going to protect this one while they're working this is the gates I've got to hang this is what I've got to do and each one in it under the under the main vision became focused on this is my vision, and they all worked together to complete their vision, and in it, God did something great. Amen? But there had to be a vision. But it also brings direction. Direction is one of the most personal needs of every child of God. We need to know where we're going. We need to know what we're doing. What is my purpose? If you don't know where you're going, then you can't get there. It doesn't matter where you're going, you can't get there if you don't know where there is. I, I can tell you, hey, Andrew, hey, how about run over there, and when you get there, call me. 
They're, they're, you don't know where there is. Vision gives some direction. It gives that, that focus, that point that we're shooting for. Listen, it doesn't matter how good of a shot you are at anything. You don't take a gun, a bow, whatever. You can be the best shooter in the world, but you can't hit your target if you don't know what it is. Somebody's got to point it out. There has to be a bullseye. There has to be something to aim for. So it gives us some direction. It gives us a new sense of purpose. And then number five, it brings a dependence. Some of you may like that. Some of you may not. I know we live in this very independent society, but but having a vision brings dependence. Once we realize that God has given us a vision and we know that we're going somewhere, and God is the controller and the creator of the vision, we develop a dependency for God to show us the way. Since God is the one, he's given us a direction, he's given us a vision to go this way, let me just go ahead and plug this in for a little free spot. God's not going to give you the whole picture all at one time. He, he didn't do it throughout this book. He's not done it through anybody that I've ever met. He hadn't done it in my life. He gives me pictures. Right now, I'm the pastor of Faith Baptist Church today. He's not giving me the completed picture. I hope I die right here, pastor of Faith Baptist Church. I don't care if it's in a year and a hundred years. I hope this is where I stay. But I can't tell you that because God doesn't give you the end of the vision. I have a direction. I have a vision. I know what it is right now. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But only God holds the, holds the true vision, holds the completion of the vision. Therefore, I have a dependency to God. I don't know how to run his church. I don't know how to do the things he wants, but he does. So it develops a dependency. When you have a vision, knowing that God knows it, we, we get this. I'll tell you this. When a vision comes from God, it'll be God-sized. If you can accomplish it on your own, it's probably your idea. I'm just telling you, God gives you visions that are God-sized because God wants you to learn to be dependent. God wants you to learn to trust in him. God wants you to learn to get up in the morning, get on your face before him, and trust him to get you through today. He wants you to talk to him frequently, often, fervently, and have conversations often. God desires that. So he's going to give us visions that causes us to build this dependency. It's okay to say amen on Sunday nights. When we realize that God holds the vision... It'll begin to drive our prayer life. He's alive. We just practiced it. That's a perfect example of being dependent on God. He's alive is a ministry. It has a vision. Its vision is to reach the lost. Its vision is to create an environment where God's children can come in and certainly enjoy the play, hear some amazing music, be moved by the power of God, shed some tears, be moved by, by God's strength and walk out of here rejuvenated, renewed, ready to go forward and be what God wants to be. It certainly does something in the heart of the child of God. It ought to break our heart. Every time we see him on that cross, reminding it was me that he got up on that cross for, he chose to get up there for me. But it has a celebration at the end of it because he is alive. That's not the end of the story. You got the empty tomb. It's an emotional roller coaster. But we do it. We expect church people to come. We expect God's children to come. But we expect them to bring somebody that's on their way to hell. Because we want lost people to come in and see the cross, see the crucifixion, see the blood, see the torture, see the price that he paid, see him put in the tomb, see him buried, but then see it empty. Amen. 
And that's the price. And that's the gift. We want them to see it. But without a dependency on God, it's just a play. You can say what you want. I've watched some of the recordings. We're just a bunch of old rednecks. It's so powerful when God's in here. And it's like, man, Hollywood ain't got nothing on that. Those people are amazing. Then you go back and you watch a video and you're like, who are they? Where did all that hick accent come from? I thought they were speaking in, in Hebrew back in the play. Without the power of God. It's just a play. Without, without this man's vision, without him staying on his face, is there a dependency in God for he's alive? Without the dependency that that man has, that he relies on God to give him direction, give him advice, give him, give him who to sing the song, what part to put in, what do you take out from last year, what do you put in for this year? See, God knows who's coming. you got to understand, there may be one play that might have been, or one part that might have been your favorite part of the play, and we took that part out, and you go, man, I can't believe they took that out. But what you don't know is that somebody's been for three years in a row, and maybe they're still lost, they're coming this year, and God put in the one thing that's going to change their heart. But without a dependency, without a prayer life, he's alive as a ministry. And the reason it's a ministry of Faith Baptist Church is because it falls under the vision of reaching the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the same thing is true in our life. We need to have visions and directions on what God wants us to do, and it will develop a dependency. There ain't no way he would even begin to start He's Alive and try to put all this together without praying. Any of you that's ever run any kind of ministry, you get here on Saturday morning, you get here for Fruit of Our Hands, what do you do the first thing you do? You gather up and pray. We get ready to go on a mission trip. What do we do? We gather the people down front, we pray over them, and before we ever pull out of this parking lot, we pray. When we get to the airport, we pray. When we get off the plane, we pray. Why are we praying? Because it's God's work. And it develops a dependency that we have to have. God doesn't see us for what we were. God doesn't even see us for what we are. God sees us for what we can be with Christ in us. God, God sees what we're going to be. He already sees the vision. We just got to be in communication with him so that we get it and become that. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They go back because they don't know which way to go. But in order to have a vision, there has to be some personal time spent with the creator of the visions. Now, I know that God has a design plan for everybody in this place. Nobody in here is some cosmic accident. No, nobody just happened. Before the foundations of the world, God already knew you. Well, how could God have known me a million years ago? The same way that God knew you'd be in heaven a million years from now. Amen. An omnipotent God is not just omnipotent, meaning he's everywhere right now. Physically, it means he's everywhere right now, period. He's a million years ago now. He's a billion years from now, now. Explain that. Yeah, right. If I could explain it, he wouldn't be God. But I do know he is omnipotent. He's, he, you know how he could tell me in Revelation what to expect at the end? Because he's already there. 
He already knows. You don't you know how he can predestinate heaven and hell? He didn't predestinate anybody to go to hell. He, he put Jesus Christ on the cross so that everybody could go to heaven, so that none should perish, and that all should come to eternal life. But he's already over there, so he already knows who's in heaven and who's in hell. He's already past the end of this world. He's already past the seven-year tribulation. He's already past the thousand-year millennial reign. He's already there. He, he already knows. That's a, that's, a, that's a vision. So we need to be in communication with the one that has the vision. We're all in different places in our vision. Some people, you may not have it yet. Then work on your intimate relationship with the Father. Spend more time praying. Spend more time reading. Do you know, anybody ever felt like God wasn't talking to you? I've been praying. I've been talking. Why isn't God talking to me? Do you know in seasons when you feel like God's not talking to you, you know how to know for a fact that God is talking to you? Read it. You, you can't read that and God not be talking to you because this is written word. So every time I pick it up, everything it says is said to me by God, handed to me in a love letter, said, here, this is yours. Take it and read it. That's, that's God talking to me. So if you don't have your vision, then work on the relationship a little bit. Spend a little more time talking to God. Sometimes you pray for an hour and you feel like you've run out of things to pray about. And you, you've prayed for Marty's dad and you've prayed for Mr. Howell and you, you've prayed for Kathy Maxwell's family and you, you, you've prayed for all the things you can think. You've prayed for the church and the finances. You've prayed for the play and you've prayed for a hedge of protection around everybody in the church and you prayed that God would take care of the singers' voices and, and you've been praying for an hour. When you get through, that means you've been talking to God for an hour. You ever tried just shutting up and listening for an hour? That's a whole new concept, isn't it? Sometimes God just might have something to say. But this is our prayer time, so i got to do all the talking. Sometimes we just got to work on the relationship. Some, there hasn't been a conception yet. But for some of you, there, there's been a conception, and you're in a season of growing right now. You know something's going on in you. You're not even sure what. You know God's got a plan for your life. You know God's giving you, you sent some things. You sent some instructions. You see God putting you in places. Matter of fact, you're probably even looking for answers. You're willing to try most anything. You know God wants you to do something. You're just not quite sure what. A little further along in that pregnancy, God will come along and say, this is what it's going to be next. This is what you're going to be. You're going to do this over here. But that doesn't mean you're there yet. You're still working. You're still growing. But you begin to prepare for that. Just like a little later in the pregnancy, you find out, is it a girl or a boy? You begin to prepare. You begin to fix the room. You're preparing. Well, it's the same with the vision. God begins to give you pieces, and you begin to prepare in that direction. But, but then comes the birth of the vision. When, when we get the birth, that means we're supposed to be moving forwards. We ought to be growing. The Bible says that if any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And in the book of wisdom, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So that tells me we need individual visions. Amen? So tonight, I want us, if we could, take just a few minutes and we pray before we go home. I want all of us to look for our vision.
God, what is it that you want me to be? No matter where you are in your vision, you already have it, you have some direction. God, help me to move along. Help me to learn what I need to be. Help me to focus on my vision to be everything that you want me to be, God. Give me clear direction. And if nothing else, gain a dependency. Knowing that God is the control of the vision, know that you've got to talk to God about it every day. God's the only one that can give us a clear direction. Amen. Could I have you go ahead and stand this evening? As many of you as you will, you're welcome to pray where you're at. You're welcome to come to the altar, whichever way you want to do. But I want you to pray that God would give each one of us individually a, a vision. A church is a culmination of God's children. It's where he brings us together, and we come here to serve. God has a vision for his church and that God has a vision for Faith Baptist Church specifically and I want you to pray for that that God would make visions clear that we'd be found in the center of the perfect will of God but I don't want you to pray just for the vision of the church but where is your place in the church where is your part in the church God what do you want me doing that falls in under the vision of the church to help through this that you might use me through this church that my vision might help minister disciple to the saved that my vision that you use me underneath through the vision of the church might help reach LaGrange, Georgia with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that you might use me to change my surrounding and my environment you may not can change the world but you can change your surrounding you can change the language that the people use when they're talking to you. You can change the jokes that people tell you if you find them offensive and not funny and let them know it. Matter of fact, if you witness to them enough, you don't have to worry about them saying stuff to you. They'll avoid you like a plague. What is a vision? How does it, how does it fit? People, people of a vision become a people of direction. They become very point-oriented. They know where they're going. We even know the exact final destination is glory. We just got to keep our eyes on God to take the right road, to stay on the narrow path, be what God wants us to be along the way.